The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. This year, in 2020, I'm going to turn 70. And I was fortunate enough to be part of the generation in who, in the mid to late 60s and early 70s, was able to go to these rock concerts mm. and see everybody from the Beatles to live, from the Beatles to Queen, to the Doors, to the Birds, to the, you know, on and on and on. And it was fantastic. Uh, back then, you know, it was just something that we did. But then in later years, looking back, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it was actually your post, um reminiscing about one of the times that you had seen the Beatles where I reached mm-hmm. out and said, well, if you've yes, seen you the did. Beatles, we need to have you yeah. on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike and I can only dream about that. I think I've seen you comment that you were at a show in 1965. So that would have been um, not too long after you had first listened to with the yes. Beatles. Um, what were your memories of that? Was it similar? Um, were your parents apprehensive about you going and, uh, and did you have to beg and plead to get there? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was, uh, it's, it's burned into my memory has been ever since it was August 28, 1965. And it was at Balboa stadium in San Diego, which is my hometown Balboa stadium, which no longer exists was at the Southern end of the famous Balboa park in San Diego. And, oh. and so that's where the concert was. And um, it was a huge, big deal. And my sister and I, my sister is two years older than I am. And so my sister and I went with a neighbor girl named Mary Jane, who uh, is or was one year older than I am and one year younger than my sister. So she fell right in between. And the three of us went together and, um, and her mother drove us in a, in a comet or something, some cool little car <laughs> at the time, you know, that, that was a turquoise blue color. Or for some reason, I remember that. And, um, <laughs> it was pandemonium. <laughs> it was yeah. absolute pandemonium. It's funny. I, uh, I, I also had forgotten about this little memory until recently. I begged my father to let me take his binoculars to the Beatles concert. <laughs> and there was no way in the world that he was going to relinquish his expensive binoculars to me. 
<laughs> and for, for, for that reason, it's not like we were going bird watching or something. And, uh, and, and so I had a, another friend across the street whose father had binoculars and she some, and she did not go to the concert with us. She somehow got her, and her name was Linda. And she somehow got her father's permission for me to borrow his binoculars unbeknownst to my dad. And so I took those binoculars <laughs> with me. And, and, and uh, his name was Mr. Wright. And, and, and Mr. Wright's one and only condition was that I had to wear the binoculars around my neck, keep <laughs> the strap around my neck at all times. Well... As you can imagine, I was I was not quite 15, 14, 14 almost 15, two, two months shy of my 15th birthday. And I couldn't imagine anything more geeky and horrible than to have to walk around in my cute little al- outfit at the Beatles concert with <laughs> binoculars hanging around my neck. And so I decided, well... I'm going to hold them in my hands and I'm not going to let them go under any circumstances for any <laughs> reason. So we, we got to our seats. The tickets were $5 a piece in 1965. Jeez. And we got to our seats and uh, there, there, there were some opening acts. And, and then it was, and now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Beatles and they started they they came on they started walking across the, it was a football stadium um, Belleville right. Stadium and uh, so they started walking around uh, walking across the field to what by comparison looked like this icky dinky <laughs> little postage sized stage that had been built in the middle of it all it actually was you know a pretty good sized stage but but comparatively, you know, in perspective with the rest of the stadium, it seemed tiny. But as soon as they started, they were kind of loping along, um, half trotting sort of along, and they had their famous suits on and whatnot. And and everybody went completely wild, and just screaming our <laughs> bloody heads off. And I went, and at one, at some point, uh, I couldn't tell you when or what the song was or what, but at some point, I wanted I wanted to look through those binoculars, and I realized that they were no longer in my hands. <laughs> I didn't even realize that I had just let them go that they had dropped <laughs> onto the concrete. <laughs> God was watching or something because they were not broken. But I I swear to God, when I looked down and saw that they were on the ground, I was sure (laughs) that a lens had shattered or, you know, something horrible, that they had become bent or something terrible had happened. And that they were okay. And this is confession time. (laughs) Mr. Wright, and my father are both in heaven, and so, <laughs> so, so I am throwing 
Throwing <laughs> faith to the wind and wow. <laughs> to the world. That's amazing. What a what a story. Uh, were you able to hear them? Was the screaming loud enough that you couldn't make out what the band was playing? Or were you, were... Well, it, it's interesting. It it uh, it ebbed and it flowed. Okay. And so, depending on what the songs were and what was happening and whatnot, then the screaming would die die down a little a little bit. It wouldn't be so blood curdlingly loud. <laughs> um, and other times it was. You know, it just yeah. depended. And. Uh, anytime, <laughs> this is so funny. Anytime that George Harrison opened his mouth to sing right into a microphone, complete pandemonium. Interesting. Complete hysteria. George. George. Yes. Huh. Everybody loved huh. George. Well, the girls, anyway, loved George. <laughs> I mean, well. honestly, when he sang, I don't remember what what the lineup was of songs at the concert. I would have to, you know, I'm sure it's online somewhere, but I, I don't recall. I couldn't tell you exactly, but, but I can tell you that when he sang, um, do you want to know a secret? We all just fell in love with him right then and there. <laughs> when we heard it because he had a thicker accent than the other three did. Right. And it was, um, Listen, do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? <laughs> and <laughs> closer, closer. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it, was, it was almost foreign to us, but so endearing, so very mm. endearing. Huh. It's such an interesting thing to consider. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's amazing that you've seen perhaps the greatest band of all time play, but they, they mm -hmm. formed uh, as their current, as their lineup in 1960 and stopped touring for good in 1966. So it was such a small, I mean, their whole, their whole career was really, you know, not much more than 10 years um, mm -hmm. making music together. But, but you saw one of the handful of times that anyone got to see them, <laughs> let alone, yes. um, let alone people at that time. And, uh, uh, yeah, so what's a such a wonderful thing to be able to do. What do you think, Mike? Should we dive into some details? Do you have more questions to ask, Anne? Or uh... I'm just I'm just really enjoying <laughs> just hearing all these stories and, and and hearing you reflect, and also hearing the joy in your in your voice as you reflect mm -hmm. on these things. It's really it's really special, and I thank you for it, sharing this with us. It fills um, me with joy, and I feel so fortunate to have been able yeah. to be part of that decade. Yeah. To have grown yeah. up during yeah. that time. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I, I mean, a lot of neat things happened in the nineties, but I feel like I, <laughs> I, I'm uh, longing for some of the things that happened in the sixties mm -hmm. and the music and the culture. My wife has, uh, told me that maybe I wouldn't have enjoyed all the things that happened in the sixties and I'm a little too, uh, <laughs> maybe too straight, straight edge for, for all of it and might have been on the other side of it. But, um, I love hearing these stories and hearing about people who got to experience it as Ben and I have talked so many times, the amount of music that was coming out in the sixties, specifically the late sixties and early seventies, but even the early sixties is just astronomical. 
um, every year bands were releasing one or two albums. The number of new bands that became really successful is staggering. And when you look at, you know, for example, top albums of 1967 or 68 or 69 or 70, the list just goes on and on and on and on of all the great albums in those years. So um, it's exciting. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.